Have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I recently saw a health video he made and I was surprised. He's in his 80s and still seems to have his energy and health. He says he's even stronger, has more stamina, and plenty of energy left over for his grandkids since making one simple health change that helps his digestion and nutrition. He says he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife made the same change and she's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger and she has energy all day. Many of us do not include the fruits, vegetables, and other herbs that increase health and energy in our own diets. Chuck Norris made a special video that explains how he incorporated these things with one simple product. You can watch it by going to mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. It may change your approach to your own health. Once again, that's mymorningkick.com forward slash Harris. Hey everyone, it says we're live. Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. Sorry we're a little fashionably late. As uh, many of you know, I have been experimenting with different programs to see what's the best option for live broadcasts. And I finally ditched Zoom today, which means that I had to find another program. And I know actually Eric, who's joining me today, Eric Muldrow, he uh, uses uh, StreamYard. And I know a few other brothers have used it. And so I decided I would use it. And um, this is my first, this is the maiden voyage. So uh, I had to get used to some things, but um, so far it's, it's working really well. So anyway, welcome to the podcast and thank you for everyone who's here to participate. And uh, we already got, man, the live chat is buzzing. We're nice. streaming on Facebook, we're streaming on YouTube, and we're going to talk about what happened uh, Yes, Well, it didn't happen yesterday, but the video was released yesterday in Memphis and we're going to talk about uh, the reaction from some progressive evangelicals. So uh, people who, would they name the name of Christ, but they they have a different view than I do and Eric does on this issue. So um, I know Eric's been on the podcast before. Eric, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your channel? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, John. Like, especially uh, reciprocating me having you on my own just recently. Um, but yeah, I'm a retired police officer, retired law enforcement, I like to say, because my career expanded is broader than simply just being a cop. Uh, my law enforcement career started in 1990, 90, the end of 1992, after I got out of the U.S. Army, where I started working for the Westville Correctional Center in Westville, Indiana, maximum security prison. I worked there for about three, a little over three years. In 1996, uh, we, me and my family moved out, or we moved out to Vegas in 1995. I hired on with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. For the first 10 years, I worked as a corrections officer in the county jail here. And then in 2006, I decided I just wanted to change. So I went to the patrol academy and I finished out my career as a police officer. During that time, I did various things. I was a Defensive tactics instructor, firearms instructor, active shooter, response instructor. I was a gang intelligence officer. I was a gang response officer. Um, uh, I, I can't, I, I've done a bunch of different things. I mean, it kind of gets to be a blur after a while, but I retired in 2014. 2018, I decided to start Code Rare Conversations. When I started, when I saw so much, there was so much, there was such a hot, hotly contested debate as to police uses of force and whether the police are, are constantly abusing their power or not. And I just said, man, you know what? I got a pretty broad base of knowledge in this area. And then as a born again believer, by the grace of God, I was like, I need to start speaking out into these issues and just giving people a different perspective, not just from the, uh, you know, all cops are bad or even that every cop does good. I wanted to offer a balanced approach from somebody who not only was in law enforcement, but actually spent time training cops and saw the flaws and saw the problems and actually spoke out against it. So fast forward, here we are right now, man, and we're discussing this tragic incident that took place in Memphis. Well, you're certainly a veteran. You have the credentials to and experience to speak to this issue uh, in a very authoritative and knowledgeable way. And that's why I wanted you to be the one talking about it. And uh, you've been talking about it all day, from what I understand. Uh, so you were on the radio, I know, just before uh, you hopped on this podcast. And I saw earlier today, you were live streaming uh, your own thoughts on this. And so we're not going to play any video. Uh, but I do, I know you did. And I, I want to start there, if possible, what actually happened? 
because that's I'm so unclear about that. I mean, I've seen some of these clips, but um, as far as motive, as far as, um, you know, what what was even the justification for stopping this guy, you know, from start to finish, what what's the scenario? Well, the breakdown, if you which is questionable, if you want to believe what those the officers involved. And that's another uh, unfortunate, uh, you know, uh, result of this is that, you know, the uh, the the perspective of the officers and in this case, I'm, I'm saying it's justified, but just overall at times, you know, people will look at officers with a more questionable eye. But these officers made the allegation that they stopped him because he was driving reckless, recklessly. They claimed that he was driving on the wrong side of the road. They went to stop him and he was swerving, almost hit one of the police officers' vehicles, unmarked vehicles. They weren't clear black and white vehicles. They were unmarked because they work in a unit called Scorpion, which is like a organized crime. And they deal with, it sounds, it, from what I read, the little bit I read about their their um, section they worked in was that it's like they deal with like a high level crime and more violent offenders. So that was the basis, the alleged basis for the stop was that this individual was driving erratically and that they needed to make a, a stop and, and so that he wouldn't hurt anyone. Okay. So how did it get to what we, what happened? I mean, how did, how does it go from what you just described to, um, I mean, he's, he's dead, but yeah. uh, brutally beaten. And I mean, I, I just, this makes the George Floyd situation look like nothing. Yeah, honestly, this was a savage, brutal beating. There's no other way of putting it. A heinous, evil act, evil actions. And it if you watch the video, because there are four separate video clips from four different perspectives. And if you watch the video, these officers respond, their response to this guy. Now, I can understand if, let's say it's true that this guy actually almost hit them. You can understand how somebody would be pretty irate over that. Like if we're driving right. down the road and someone almost hits us, you're gonna be pretty wound up about it. But these right. officers get out of their vehicles and they're screaming. You got four, three, four, five officers all yelling at this guy, uh, telling him what to do, which is problematic in and of itself because it's difficult to hear clear instructions. We're typically taught in police work that one person communicates, one person so that the suspect, subject, citizen knows what we want them to do. So they're effing him, F-bombing this, get the bleep off on the ground, this and that. He, they finally, uh, they, they grab him out, pull him out of the car, bring him to the ground, and then they're telling them, and he's kind of like, okay, all right. Like, all right, I'm doing what you're telling me to do. And even then, he's being somewhat apprehensive, which is, in all honesty, understandable. When you got these guys just going off on you, and then, uh, and and instead of they're, they're telling him to go face down on the ground, and he's like, "I'm on the ground," but he's not face down. My thoughts are, okay, if I want this guy to go face down on the ground and he's not complying, I'm going to put him face down on the ground. I, that, that doesn't mean I'm going to slam him. Doesn't mean I'm gonna slam his face to the concrete. I'm just gonna apply, apply my weight to his body to get him where I need to be so that I can pat him down, conduct a proper pat search, make sure he doesn't have any weapons or any contraband on him. And then I'm gonna handcuff him, secure him, and then I'm gonna go about with the rest of my investigation on this matter. None of that went on. They're, they're yelling, screaming. As soon as he, next you know, you see a taser pulled out. Next you know, you see pepper spray to spray the guy in the face. It's right. just a, it was just a total mess. And then he gets up and he runs off. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but no, he gets no, off and he ru he gets up and then he runs off. And then that and then what happened after at the next scene when they finally find him, that's the worst thing. It was already bad enough in the, at the initial scene, but then once he took off running, that's when things got. Is that the video horrendous. that's? It looks like it's from like a, a house security camera or something. That's the second time they they find him and that's what they do to him yeah Cause, okay because I, I wasn't clear on it either I, I looked at the four different videos and i didn't know how they were pieced together um you know this situation people have known about it in memphis for months um this has been uh 
you know, brewing and the footage obviously was just released yesterday, but people I know there were saying, this is going to be a big problem mm -hmm. uh, when, when this is released. And so, um, these officers, I was, I, was not, I don't mean to interject, interrupt. Oh, yeah. I was under the impression that this incident took place just a few weeks ago. Was it January 7th when this initially took place or, um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I thought it, it was like January 7th it, it, when the incident it, first took well, place. Well, it may be, they've been pretty quick about it, I think. And, Absolutely. And I was going to ask you about that. If, if police departments are changing how fast they, um, release stuff, because I know civil rights attorneys saw the footage. They, the family was offered to see the footage. I mean, all of this has happened before it went public, right. but, um, you know, the officers, they were fired under, and they should have been, but you know, what, what motivated them? I mean, there, there's all kinds of things floating around out there. Someone told me they thought it was, uh, he, he had cheated on one of the officer's wives and this was payback and right. And so do we even know? I think when situations like this go, go, go down, there's always a lot of speculation. There's always a lot of people assuming they know the details. I recall years ago, it might've been in 2004, 2005 here in Las Vegas, there was an incident where a police officer went into a house and he got gunned down by the suspect who was barricading himself with, and he shot the officer, killed him with an AK. And then one of the quickest rumors that we heard was that, oh, the rumor had it that the officer was sleeping with this guy's wife and this and that. Right. So the best bet is, you know, as you know, as the uh, proverbs, you know, like, you know, just to be more patient, you know, the one that pleases case first seems right, you know, until the other comes and examines him. Let's sit back and let's wait until we get more information it's, in regarding to the minute details, what okay. motivated, motivated him. But I want to say this, though. I would say that the motivation to me, apart from those details, like what went down, it's, it seemed to me that there is a clear culture within this unit. Uh, I can't, I can't say, I can't speak for the entirety of the Memphis police department, but it, it came across to me as if it was like tr the movie training day or like the rampart division in LA for those who are familiar, there was, it, that's where the movie training day was based off of was that there was this rogue unit of undercover police officers who basically did whatever they wanted to do. They, they stole money from suspects. They framed people. They planted evidence on innocent people. And it, it was just like a racket in, inside the LA police department. And it, the impression I, excuse me, the impression I get, of course, not knowing all the details, but just having seen people who are used to abusing their power, it seems as if there was a pattern that was that had developed that these individuals were used to getting away with the things that they did because they were all out in the street corner, you know, dude was throwing punches, just whooping this guy and doing and hitting them with the baton, kicking them in the head. It seems as if they got away. The fact that they dealt with, and I spoke about this on the radio show I just did. I think that the fact Memphis has one of the highest crime rates in the nation. And I, I'm under the impression that considering who they, who they dealt with, the level of offender that they dealt with, they somehow justified these heinous acts in their own mind. We're keeping the streets safe. That's what we're doing. You guys don't know what we have to deal with out on these streets. So they were able to make it seem like it was all good. So, you know, the fear I think some people have, um, and this is an understandable fear, we'll get to the social justice stuff in a minute, is that um, if the the police in Memphis, this unit can do this, you know, how long have they been doing this? Is this, they just happen to be caught, but they've done it other times. And one of the things someone told me, and, and I'm sure you've looked into it more, is that uh, four of the five men involved in this brutal beating were new hires. Um, is that correct that these mostly were new guys on the force? Yeah, there are a lot of guys that were young, 24 years old, um, it hired on in 2017, 2020. So there are a lot of guys there, you know, when you look at the grand scheme over the, you know, five years on in, in law enforcement, isn't a long time. There's still a lot you have to learn. And yeah, there were a lot of guys on there who were very young or very inexperienced in law enforcement. And 
the thing that concerns me in that, I, I, I have a, a perspective on it, and not a lot of people agree with me necessarily, but knowing how uh, cliquish any field can be, but law enforcement, like the military, can really develop a lot of cliques. And you're dealing with such volatile situations. You need maturity. You need people who are prepared to deal with the stresses of the job. And one of those stresses can be or could be speaking out on uh, real legitimate injustices when they do occur. And uh, there are a lot, there are some people who may not be able or willing to speak up when they see bad things happening out of fear of being ostracized. You know, unfortunately, that's a very real thing. And, and uh, yeah, so you had a lot of youngsters, young dudes on, the, on this department. And I think that might have played a role in this entire situation. Um, I, I have a question for you. There's, there's uh, chat is lighting up and I'm going to show you uh, one of the people say my microphone's too low. So that's one of the um, I don't know how do I adjust this in StreamYard. I'm going to work on that, guys. But yeah, it sounds pretty crisp um, over here from my perspective. Does it? OK. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm maybe because you're talking lower because I, I am talking lower than I normally do. And there's a reason for it um, at my house. There's uh, an, uh, something else is happening right now that I need to try to be quiet for. So most of the time I don't have those constraints. But anyway, I'll work on that. Um, Eric, why don't you respond to this? Because this is going to come from this is the opposite side. And I have seen, I think, okay. one or two other comments like this. Uh, from Greg Shirk, who I guess he's he's probably not listening anymore. <laughs> Greg, I hope you're still there. But he said um, he lost me. I don't know if he's talking about you or me. When he began to excuse the criminal, the criminal was at fault. If he obeyed the lawful orders, none of this would have escalated. I'll skip this interview now. I think, um, you know, so many of us are tired of what's taken place, especially since 2020. But, you know, the Ferguson effect has really just made us all want to side with the police no matter what sometimes, because we just know that we've been lied to so many times. Um, could you address this? Because, you know, there's, there's a certain logic to this. If he just would have complied, none of this would have happened. At the same time, these, these officers though, seem to be extremely inexperienced, as you say, and they, um, they handled this very poorly. It, and, and, you know, who's more at fault, I guess would be the question, or is, is it a combination? Is it 60, 40? Is it, well, the, we didn't go there because the conversation didn't start there. Right. So that's why I didn't address that point. I mean, I, I really, I don't mean to insult the, the, the person who wrote that question, but, you know, if you want to know what I think about that, ask and don't just assume and then bounce out. That's kind of silly, you know, in my perspective. But anyway, I've made it. If anyone who's familiar with my channel, Code Red Conversation, Conversations, I've made. I can't even say how many videos I've made where I discuss that particular issue. I I'm currently working on a book and a course that addresses uh, situ how citizens can deal with police interactions safely. And one of the continual themes that I seek to make points I seek to make is the necessity, the utter requirement for the individual to comply. In all actuality, I, I can't put a specific number on it because I haven't done the specific, the actual research, but you think of almost every uh, famous police-related use of force that you can think of. George Floyd, Jacob Blake, Rayshard Brooks, this one even, um, in the vast majority of them, had the individual complied with the police officer's commands, they would still be alive today. Alton Sterling, I can go on and on. Right. So there's no question that that plays a role. The question, it, the, then the question is, okay, let's just say the suspect didn't or chose not to comply. Then we have to look at the totality of the circumstances. What happened next? What did the suspect do? What the, and, and were the officers, uh, the level of force that the officer used, was it justified? Even if that individual didn't comply, was it, was it uh, comparable to the amount of force? What, did what he did, the fact that he took off and run, did that mean that he, the police officer was justified in using deadly force? I would hope that this individual right. who asked that question would be wiser, uh, wise enough to say, no, that's the point I'm making right now. 
Bad, he should have complied. Absolutely. No argument for me. But did the off, does, does that necessarily justify the officers to do whatever that they want to do? That, I, I, I hope that they wouldn't say that. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, you know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, my just initial thought seeing the video was, I mean, I don't know what the guy did, but no matter you know what it was, once they had him, I don't know why they had to then go the extra step. He was already, he, he, he wasn't a threat to them anymore. You know, they could have taken him in. Um, well, uh, let's, if, uh, unless there's something else you want to share, let's get to some of these reactions. Did, yeah, you, let me, you ready yeah, for that? let me, let me just add this real quick. Please it's do. like, yeah, it's the, it's, um, the perspective of when you said when he's no longer a threat. And I tell people this all the time, and I made this case earlier on my uh, video I made, the live I made for my channel. The amount of force that the officer needs to bring is not minimal force, it's the necessary force. So if I bring a knife to a situation, the officer isn't required to pull out a knife too, like an old 60s movie where they have a knife fight, like the old Michael Jackson beat it video where they're tied to the wrist and they're having a knife fight. No, it's a deadly force encounter. The officer brings the necessary amount of force to bring the situation down and, and to gain control over it. Once this individual, once uh, Tyree was handcuffed, which it appears like it was, and once they got to the video where it's over, where the, like at the light pole or whatever, once it got to the situation to where he was handcuffed, it looked like they're still beating this guy up. They stood him up, they're throwing punches at him, all the time they're yelling them to get on the ground. But then at one point, he's not giving them their hand, he, they say. They stand the guy up. At least that's what I think. They stand the guy up. It looks like his hands are, if they're not, if he's not cuffed, at the very least, he, his hands are, they, they're controlling him. And this one officer is just taking, you know, like his best shot, like hitting a heavy bag on this guy. That's yeah. when things get excessive. And then as it goes on, you hear his speech continue to get slurred, which shows that, punch drunk, there's some type of trauma going on with his brain where he can't speak. And then three days later, the guy's dead. All I'm trying to say is I'm pro-police. I'm a former cop. I think I can speak on these issues better than the vast majority of people. And we need to understand that, especially if we're professing to be Christian, yes. that doesn't give anybody a uh, free reign to do whatever that they want to do if cops are out there doing things that they got no business doing, which can ultimately lead to someone dying. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The The force did not fit the, um, or the, what, the, the situation. They weren't threatened there. And I think that was the, the first thing that jumped out at me. Um, let's, if uh, you're ready for this, Eric, we will go to some of these uh, reactions because uh, everyone has an opinion, right? And yeah. because I've focused the last few years a lot on these um, social justice-minded people in Christianity that are trying to push the needle left, I went to uh, a few different Twitter profiles, right? <laughs> and and I always regret every time I go on Twitter. I'm like, why did I come here? But <laughs> right, you know, you, you have to go there sometimes to to get what people are thinking. And there was two things um, that were interesting. The first thing to me was, and I, maybe you have an opinion on this, the the uh, big wigs, right? So like David Platt, I don't know, um, J.D. Greer, uh, Matt Chandler, et cetera, et cetera, right? The guys who um, have been very active in kind of knee-jerk, jumping to conclusions in previous incidents had nothing to say, uh, at least initially. And really? I thought that was that was very interesting to me. Yeah, and I think something's changing. I think they're, they they know that that's not a winning move maybe anymore. I don't know. but like, Or it could be the fact that the uh, cops were black. That could have played a role. Yeah, which we haven't even mentioned yet, but now <laughs> we'll get into that. All five of them, black. All five of them were black. And um, and, and I think the police chief is also a black woman, right? Black black yes, female. Yes, yes. And which brings to mind, uh, it, it's it, the conversation you and I had uh, when we, when I had you on asking about social justice, it brings it to mind the attack I see, and we're going to see some of that from the, uh, some of the content that you we're going to discuss is the structural perspective, the institutional perspective, but I'll let you right. do your thing, bro. No, no, absolutely. So that's 
and I would say to sum up everything we're about to see that you just said it well, they take a very systemic institutional structural approach that this, um, it wasn't just five guys beating up a uh, criminal or an innocent person, I guess, as the case may be in their minds. It was uh, what inevitably happens when you have police because mm. uh, the in America, I guess, because police in America are it's a racist system. So when you it doesn't matter how black you are, you join that system and you're complicit. So um, let's just go through a few of these because these guys um, I want to make a separation. These guys are are the hardcore like progressive evangelical died in the wool woke and um not to be confused with what i think the opportunists or people who have have gone woke but are now trying to course correct like these guys um these guys i think have swallowed the whole thing uh at at least uh, enough of it as much as you can while being operating in evangelical uh, christianity and here's some of the tweets so um i don't even know where to start let's start with uh Duke Kwan, um, Duke Kwan, uh, I believe PCA pastor, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's written a few books and he says this once again, anti-black racism is more than conscious personal prejudice. It describes rather a cultural order that subordinates black humanhood and renders black life inherently criminal, violable and dispensable. Be not mistaken, Tyre Nichols' murder was created by racism. Mm. So what, I mean, and, and I have a few uh, other, uh, let me read one more from him. He says this, Tyre Nichols was 100% lynched. Where's the lynch mob? At home? Perhaps gazing at the spectacle on their phones. Be careful not to get unknowingly drawn in, beloved. So so, so you have two groups here. You have um, racism, racism killing Tyre Nichols. And then you have those of us who, I guess this would be you too, Eric. I don't know. People who watch this, we're part of a lynch mob if we watched any mm. of this. No, I'm sure he watched it as well. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. He's well, got the right mentality. It is it is a weird thing, though. I've seen this knee jerk, like, don't watch it, don't watch it. And I, you know, the same people, I'm like, you know, do you, what about all the raunchy movies? I don't know. Anyway, there's right. just, there's a sacredness to this. It's holy ground. It's a, a saint has died where there's something that they treat this differently. But mm. um, how do you react to that though? That number one, this is racism that killed him. And then number two, uh, any of us who are watching it are part of a lynch mob. It's crazy to me, but people believe this. Yeah. My thoughts would be how does, and I, this is the question that I would ask uh, Duke over there. I would say, so are we to assume, I mean, there'd be a couple of questions. Are we to assume that all forms of violence is, uh, you know, against some uh, ethnic minority is race, racially motivated? Like all forms of it. Like before America was around, were black people not killing themselves? Were we not killing each other in various parts of the, of the world? Were other ethnic groups or Indians in India not doing harm to one another before the white man showed up? Were natives here in the, in the U.S. or uh, even where, where they came prior, were they doing harm to one another before, uh, you know, the colonizers show, showed up? And, the, and if we know anything about history, you can't help but say, yes, it happened. So, so what's your argument there? Like what? Their argument is so limited. Once you get outside of the U.S., it seems like this argument just falls apart. Once you get past uh, slavery or, you know, colonization in different countries, it seems like these arguments just collapse. So it's like the only reason or the, the only answer response for this evil act is racism. To me, that's just so ignorant. That's just so silly. That's such a weak baseless argument but it works in our modern society where everybody believes that everything negative done is race racially motivated heck i even heard somebody just a couple of days ago talking about climate change i think it was jane fonda climate change wouldn't be an issue if it wasn't for racism or something like that i might have gotten mixed up but i'm just like how ridiculous is this they link it to everything and i think oftentimes it's done and you correct you can correct me on this one here but I think oftentimes it's done because it stirs up emotion. You link yeah. this issue with racism, you get the black vote or you get the Hispanic vote. You link it with racism. Therefore, everything is racially uh, motivated. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I I think of what Jesus said about where evil originates from. It's from within, it's not from without. And whenever these systemic things come up, it seems like um, some of that responsibility is taken away. You know, because I guess the question I have is, okay, let's say it's racism that's killing these people. What do you do then? And it's mm. like, it would seem like if, if all the cops are black, if the police chief is black, um, I'm, I'm like, well, where's the racism? Locate it for me then. Show me. Because cause that's the excuse before is that, well, that, that that's a white person. Derek Chauvin is white. And obviously that means it's racist. But you, you don't have that here. So um, so locate it for me. Show me where it is. And, and they never really do. It's just there. We're just supposed to assume this. Um, that's not Christian, guys. That's not remotely biblical. We believe that you know, there were five men with evil hearts. Now, Thank you. Um, I do want to ask you, though, it, it, about whether or not, I don't know if you've done any research on the Memphis Police Department, though, were there defects in their training or in um, just the conditions that um, we'll say it doesn't take away the evil heart, but at least made this moment more possible that uh, gave the evil heart a an outlet that it wouldn't would not normally have perhaps uh, even a few years ago and I'm, I'm wondering if good men were let go because of covid mandates or if i mean and i know they have a huge hiring problem they're they're down hundreds of officers um you know are they just taking anyone off the street who you know have, have they lowered standards do you know anything about that you know what i honestly can't say i, I can't speak to that 100 percent but I, if I can speak on a more national level, I know it's more difficult to find qualified police candidates in and of itself. I remember there was a time when I first came out to Las Vegas and was testing for uh, Las Vegas Metro Police. And under that umbrella, corrections officer and police officer are all under the umbrella of Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And when I tested for CO and I went to get in line just to pick up my application, there were, there were probably a few hundred people in line. And then when I went to take the written exam, the line literally stretched, it was like a half a mile long to take the written exam. And I was just like, man, there's no way I'm going to get hired. I almost didn't go. But my wife was like, Eric, you got to try it. Give it a shot. So I ended up testing. And I, you know, somehow I managed to test really well. Uh, but now you fast forward that to 2021. I mean, we're talking about 1996 when I first hired on. And we're talking and now you fast forward to 2022, 2023, it's they, they struggle to find qualified candidates pretty much in every police department around the country. It, there's been such a quote unquote good job done by those who who aren't who are anti-police to disparage the name of law enforcement. And some of that is to to uh, to be honest, it, there's a good portion of that that can be blamed by bad police actions. No question about it. I'm not going to act like cops just sit uh, sit around and just you know and do do nothing but good and everything that they do like you know like Lucky Charms comes you know out of their mouths and you know whatever. But uh, you know I keep it clean for TV and whatnot. But um, you know there's but I would say the biggest issue is the fact that. The culture, our society has villainized law enforcement to such a degree to where if you have an agency that already, if you look at Memphis, I I'm not sure what the uh, ratio is ethnically when it comes to law enforcement in Memphis. But if you see a unit that has five black officers and the police chief is black, and just from what I do know, there's a, a, very, a pretty large black population in Memphis. Generally speaking, uh, a cop is more likely uh, or a citizen is more likely to test for corrections officer than they are for police officer. I would say because because it's more culturally acceptable when on the streets, you feel like you're you're oppressing the man like you're the man is keeping the black man down. So there's more of that cultural issue that you have to wrestle that you have to deal with in law in law enforcement. So I would say that and then you couple everything that's happened over the last few years to really vilify law enforcement. You're going to have more and more people who are less likely to test. So in order to fill in gaps, I, I can almost guarantee you, like I said, almost because I don't know 100%, but I can almost guarantee you that there, to some degree, there's been a lowering of standards in order to fill quotas and try to keep the streets safe, which in turn ultimately only makes 
the streets more dangerous because you put unqualified people out to do the job. Yeah. Um, that, that was a good point. What do you think about this, uh, the, the lynch mob accusation that if you're watching it, <laughs> if you see a video, I mean, I don't know, that's just so silly. I don't even know if it needs a response, but now see, yeah, see on, on the one side, if you don't watch it and you, and you want to remain ignorant to it, you'll get criticized by a lot of these activists, these the woke types, they'll say, well, you don't care. But then on the flip side, if you do watch it, they'll, they'll criticize you because you're saying it's like this lynch mob activity. It's like it's like you drive down the street and you see an accident on the side of the road. There's a natural tendency for people to want to look. They've been hyping this thing up for weeks, talking about how heinous it is. Who isn't going to want to see what went down? Like, was it really that bad? And and the vast majority, I would say all of the response I've seen has been negative. People speaking out saying what these cops did was terrible. So watching it, why is that a bad thing? You know, you know what's funny to me is um, if they didn't release it, I think the accusation would have been they're trying to cover something up, right? Yep. Yep. And and so you know, there's um, Dwight McKissick, another uh, he's in the Southern Baptist Convention, but a, a, I would say a, a woke pastor. Um, he retweeted someone this morning who um, makes a comparison. He says, "In black and white, when white police officers murder African Americans, no justice." black cop murders a black man instantly is arrested tire nickels and so uh, i've seen these comparisons before with other things where they'll say look there's obviously racism present here because these black officers were let go so quickly but in another situation where you had white officers it took longer so you the same uh, and, and that was an incident from 2019 uh, so obviously pre-2020 um and so, uh, you know, this means that um, every step of the way, they were just, um, they're, they're being quicker now because they're motivated by the fact that these are black police officers. And No, I think that's, a, I don't mean to cut you off, bro, but I, I just think no, that's, that's, just, that's just a lot of nonsense. We look at the uh, George Floyd, Eric, Derek Chauvin incident. How quickly was, how quick was that response to have him uh, where they, those guys were fired and they were subsequently arrested and charged. That was right. relatively quick. Nationwide, there was typically a policy to wait and before you put out information. But seeing as how there's been such a push for people to get data, get uh, know what's going on, because before you didn't have to worry necessarily about a riot kicking in because people get this information. Nowadays, with this uh, growing, seems to be ever-growing woke culture, police officers, uh, agencies are more likely to put this information out there to keep people with the hopes that people will be calm. There have been too many situations. I can think of one that took place in Wisconsin uh, probably around 2016 or so, 2015, where there was a shooting and there was rioting in the streets that night because the rumor had it that a white, police officers shot an unarmed black man and they were rioting in the streets. That's the one, if you're, if anyone's familiar, you or your audience, where they showed a video of the black girl saying, don't bring the violence here. Please don't do it here. But then CNN cut out the part where it said, take that ish over to the suburbs, burn they blank down, like telling them to bring the violence to the white neighborhood. But CNN had carefully spliced it to where it was just her saying, don't bring the violence here. But lo and behold, once the information came out, what did we find out? Black officer shoots a black man who was armed with a gun, rioting all night in the streets with little information. But once the information came out, it's like, oh, okay, well, my bad. Like, what do you do with that? So now you have agencies who are more likely to say, okay, let's get the facts out. Let's get, let's do our, let's. Uh, investigate this as quickly as possible and get this information out there so that the public can know what's going on. They can know what we're trying to do to prevent more and more uh, situations like this from happening. And so I think it's more of a response to everything that's going on in our society. Yeah. Um, it's interesting the the incidences they'll pick to compare. So, I mean, the, the, the uh, situation right. that they're comparing to, I think is, took place in Louisiana, if I'm not mistaken, um, with Ronald Green. It's a different state, completely different department, different time period. Um, it's pre-2020 when that uh, whole thing took place. 
Um, and, you know, when you detect a pattern, you have to, I mean, I learned this in historical research, right? Uh, if you're going to make an argument and it's predicated on a pattern that you detect, you better make sure that pattern exists. Right. So t- test it over and over in many cases. And, and you can't just take two random cases, right? And, and that's what I think is happening here. And uh, the sad part to me, though, is that someone like Dwight McKissick falls for this and uses it to um, uh, forward a narrative that there's no evidence for. That, well, let me uh, say this, man, and I'm just going to keep it real with you as a black yeah. man here in the United States for 52, going on 53 years. In, uh, in the black community, all somebody has to do and of course, this isn't 100%. I'm not saying that this is every black person, but it is very effective to throw the allegation that so-and-so is racist. Hmm. You are automatically vilified, ostracized, and you are public enemy number one, just with the accusation. And it is more prevalent today in our current society. And I keep saying that over and over again, because it was always an issue as long as I can remember. But nowadays, all you have to do is make that ac- accusation. Why is it that you hear the Democrats constantly calling the Republicans racist? It works. As, as it works, it works uh, so, so effectively. The accusation of racism shuts off any communication. I'm not going to listen to anything else you have to say because I was told by this person, that person over there, their mama, their uncle, their cousin, this reporter said that this person is racist. They're not good. Why would they make that up? They must be telling the truth. And I used to think this exact same way. I used to have this mindset that if a white person did something against me, it had to be because that they were racist towards me. And that was partially due to the fact that I dealt with so much racism growing up. I dealt with so much, it really jacked my head up. And then I got out of certain bubbles, New Jersey, terribly racist at the time, lived in Indiana, ridiculously racist. And this was even into the mid nineties. But when I was in South Carolina, didn't deal with racism ever. When I lived in Arkansas, never had anyone look at me sideways as far as racism. Like the South radically shifted as far as my personal experience. And I know we're not, I don't want to just focus on anecdotal anecdotal situations, but man, uh, my main point is when it comes down to issues of race, it is so effective to make that allegation and you'll have people who are just, oh, okay, it's got to be true. And they're going to uh, just continue to do it. And it works for the black community because, you know, because of history, because of history. And, you know, some people just assume that it's still as bad as it was in the freaking 1800s. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it does seem to just be an assumption. There's just no, there's nothing behind it. If you have to, go so far as to compare two totally apples to pears, two totally different incidences uh, to make your argument work and then to make a generalization. And then, and then again, the question all of us Christians should be asking is where's the evil then? Who is it? Is there a law somewhere that someone passed? Um, Is it the heart of, is it the police commissioner? They they can never tell you where it's just there. Um, Right. So uh, let's look at um, some of these other, uh, ridiculous things <laughs> that were said. Some of these we may have already, I mean, they're all kind of of the same strain, but um, Jamar Tisby says the systemic part in systemic racism means that anyone who participates in that system, whatever their demographic background or socio-cultural location can participate and be complicit in the racism of that system. It's structural, not just attitudinal. Tyre Nichols. So, uh, you know, making the same point as Duke Kwan, that these... Well- Black men were just racists. Well, it goes back to what you just said. Okay, yeah. well, show me, demonstrate to me the racism involved in this and how it can only be that and how it can't, it can't be anything else. Show me that. Like, clear, lay it out clearly to me how this was racially motivated. Well, like, and like I guarantee you, you he wouldn't be able to do. Well, if they, if they went to the training, let's say, right, the, how these officers were trained, and in the training, mm-hmm. they were told, if you arrest a white man, don't do anything, you know, be careful of that. But if you arrest a black man, you know, go ahead, do whatever you want, right? Let me that tell was, you something, man. You and I, I would both say, well, okay, <laughs> you have a point, Jamar. But he's, right. that video cannot be produced. If anything, you're going to find it's probably the pressure is the opposite. And especially in today's society, 
where um, these issues are brought up and you have people working for various corporations and governmental entities where they deal with situations like this and they're there to talk about it, you ain't going to find some policy like that. You, you, you just you just aren't. And I get and I guarantee you that on a, a, a department that has a high percentage of black folks working for it, people ain't going to fly with that. If they say, hey, leave the white man alone, just arrest and pull over all the black people. Yeah, you ain't going to hear you ain't going to hear that. I mean, you, if you heard if that was really going down, you would hear a public outcry on levels that you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't hear. You wouldn't believe if you if that was really going on. That outcry would be all over the media, all over mainstream. It would be. It would be everywhere. They would be producing receipts, recordings, something along those lines. Because it wouldn't just be in a bubble. Now we know bad things can happen in a bubble, and you may not be able to record every situation. But if that was really the mindset, it would be known. It would be a very uh, like I said. Every, they would all know it. So that's my question is, uh, apart from the fact that I always say that we have to look at everything from the totality. We're taught that in law enforcement and just in speaking in general, we have to look at everything from a totality uh, circumstance. Is it that more black people are arrested? Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, more black people are arrested in Memphis. Okay, well, what, what are they doing that's causing them to be arrested? Or are they being framed? Of course, you want to ask that question. That could be a reality, especially with this section, the Scorpion division that these guys were involved in. And that's another thing. Well, I guarantee you that almost everything that they've done prior is going to be questioned. Everything that they, every case that they've dealt with is going to be questioned. It, it would be, the question you asked would be hard, I think, to test in Memphis, wouldn't it? Because Memphis is, isn't it like 85% black? So, it's something pretty high. I, don't, I can't quote the yeah. numbers right off right off hand, but so most you have of the to look at. Yeah. Yeah, you have to, whether Memphis is a, a good example or not, or whatever city you're, we're talking about, whatever, uh, whatever, whichever location we're, ha we're discussing, I think it's best to say, okay, well, what were the actions of the suspect? Period. That is where you start and that is where you end. What did they do? And then if was there someone else who did the same thing, who didn't look like them, if you want to uh, have a apples little bit apples, of a yeah. yeah. Okay, did they get off? Or were they treated the same way? If this person is slinging crack on the street corner, what's going to happen to them? Yeah. What's, are they going to be arrested? Regardless of whether they're black, white, Hispanic, or whatever. We have to look at these issues. And a lot of people stop. As soon yeah. as they see the, the skin color, they stop asking questions. And it's like it's encouraged not to answer or ask further question there's um a gentleman asking a question i think eric that, that would be good for you to um because it, it reminded me of something you just said uh he says it's jose uh velarde he says how much do you think that the propaganda related to black men being hunted down by police influences black men to resist arrest oh i think it's massive so, so do you think um in this situation that the suspect you know taking off uh, I mean, and we don't, we can't get in his head, but yeah, I mean, is there a higher incidence of that kind of thing happening, trying to escape the police? Because, you know, I've been told the media tells me they're going to do something to me. Right. Yeah. I, here's a, here's a good example. A few years ago, I think it was in 2015 or so, I went to this legacy conference in Chicago and legacy was like a Christian rappers get together and they, and they would bring in. Uh, sound back then they brought in sound theological teachers. Paul Washer spoke there. I think even John MacArthur spoke there at one point. This was before, um, you know, all of this, you know, the Freddie Gray incidents and the, you know, and, you know, all these issues that really started dividing culture, ultimately started dividing the church. But when I went, it was like when wokeness was really starting to creep into the legacy conference. Cause you had a lot of reformed rappers like uh, Lecrae would be there. I think Shylin, people like that were there. Um, cross movement for those who are familiar with the, you know, the Christian rap uh, culture, a lot of these guys were there, but you started having, they were started bringing in people. And there was at one point, the point I'm trying to make is there was a young man who got up. They had a poetry slam competition 
And this young man got up there and was talking about how he's raising up his son and he's, he's um, saying his poem about his worries about his son being stopped by the police. And the guy's up there crying and he's just going in. And I'm sitting up there looking at this guy like totally unemotional. If any emotion I was feeling was kind of anger or disappointment, because I'm like, this young man is sitting up here rapping about something that he really, truly doesn't have to fear when you look at it from the uh, a grander perspective. But he's rapping and crying, holding his son, talking about how he fears for his son's life if he gets pulled over and stopped by a police officer. When in all actuality, in situations like that are extremely, extremely rare encounters. When you talk about the hundreds of millions of police contacts that the police make on an annual basis, the very small percentage of people who end up dead or even hurt or harmed who come in contact with the police is very, very small. But when you have a society that has from every area of media, whether it's your news media, Hollywood, uh, sports, entertainment, your music, when everyone is telling you that you can't trust the police. Back in the day when I was uh, in the army, it was public enemy, not public enemy, it was NWA would F the police. So you have this cultural oh, mindset that you can't trust the police and you hear it over and over and over and over again. And the only situations where you see someone gunned down is uh, on CNN or ABC, NBC, CBS, or MSNBC is when you see a black man shot by a police officer, then you start to believe, unless you're discerning enough to say, hey, you know what? Maybe this isn't this. Let me do my own research and let me find out what's really going down. But it has been so successful to convince people that if a cop pulls me over, that my be I'm better suited to run and get away as opposed to comply and do what I'm told to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, good points there. Um, Micah Edmondson is another, uh, I would say, woke evangelical voice. And he said this about the incident. He said, racialized systems can, can set marginalized people up as instruments to enact injustice against members of their own people group. See the stories of Matthew and Zacchaeus, the tax collectors, for examples. When people of color see this happen, it adds an additional layer of trauma. So what he's saying here, Eric, is it sounds to me like is he's saying, look, it's it's a he's assuming it's a systemically racist system to join the police. And when you join it as a black man, it's it's or I guess a minority, it's very similar to Zacchaeus uh, becoming a tax collector and then pilfering from his own people. He's profiting off of abusing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, so, so that's um, what, what he's saying is those officers, the reason that they, uh, found it advantageous, I guess, or, or th that they did what they did to be a police officer and to go beat people up in their case was because uh, that's that's what they were told to do. The the thing, well, I, let me ask you first, what do you think the difference is? Because I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I've heard this argument made before between Zacchaeus, <laughs> tax collectors. I mean, do you detect a difference there between that situation and then... Uh, you know, minorities joining a police force because I mean, I do, I tax collectors, you know, they were, it, it, there were, weren't laws regulating what they did. Um, mm. that was evil. They were, and, and they were following a pattern that was wrong. And in this case though, I mean, these five police officers, I don't know if Micah Edmondson forgets this, Zacchaeus wasn't fired. These five guys were right. And charged yeah. with second degree murder, yes. uh, kidnapping, uh, oppression, you know, uh, under color of law, uh, they're looking at some serious, serious time. These guys are looking at. They're so being they challenged the their, system. They're being punished for their actions. So this whole systemic abuse. I mean, they challenged the system. <laughs> they they went against the system, and the system is now crushing them. Because exactly they, because there are laws that have been put in place to. Over this was a conversation I had on the previous radio sh radio interview I just did where somebody was saying cops can basically do whatever they want to do and not get punished. And I said, that's garbage. That's nonsense. I said, there's been a, a continual pattern of harsher and harsher sentences and greater and greater laws and limits placed on police powers over the decades. It's clear. 
good example is in New York back in the 70s, they there were probably there were hundreds of police shootings, hundreds of police shootings. The last I checked, if I'm not mistaken, it was 2020 LAPD. And this is when uh, uh, New York probably had close like maybe there were a few million less people living in the state of New York. They they had hundreds of shootings. Fast forward to 2020, 2019 or so, there were 26 shootings. I'm talking about shootings in general. Wow. And how does that happen? Oh, did people decide to get good? No, there were laws that were placed to, laws and policies on local agencies that said, okay, this is when you can use deadly force. Graham versus Connor, Tennessee versus Garner. People need to look up those federal cases if they're not familiar with those that impose restrictions on when any amount of force can be used and when deadly force can be utilized. So mm -hmm. this idea that the system is just open, openly racist, just like you said, John, the system, they violated the rules of the system and they're being punished as a result. Mm -hmm. When these, when a lot of these claims that sound good to some on the outside are really examined, they fall apart. They completely fall yeah. apart. Uh, how about one more, if we can? Um, this is from, uh, well, Reverend Benjamin Kramer. I'm not sure who he is, but I know who Samuel Perry is. He, he's one of these, um, uh, he, he writes books on uh, against Christian nationalism in his mind and, and, and the religious right and all these kinds of things. Um, and so some people might know who he is, but anyway, he uh, comments on something that uh, Reverend Benjamin Kramer says. And, that, and what he says is, when people are literally dying from mass shootings and police brutality in our country, but our culture just hears the loudest voices in Christianity protesting drag queens and books, we can't expect people to believe our religion has anything to do with life conquering death. And Samuel Perry says, well said, this is indeed the situation. Now, um, I'll give my reaction first, I guess, Eric, and then I want to hear what you have to say. But when he's, when they're comparing this, they're saying, and, and this, by the way, this tweet is, was got a lot of likes and I'm sure a lot more now went viral. Right. When, when Reverend Benjamin Kramer is comparing these two things, police shootings or, um, you know, people being killed in the street, police brutality to drag queen story hour, there's a huge, huge difference. There's probably a number of differences, but the first one that I, that comes to mind for me is that drag queen story hour is institutionally protected. Mm. And in some places it is actually celebrated with our tax dollars. Public libraries right. are doing this. So you have what we're paying for in our communities going to something that God hates that's sinful, right? In the case of, you know, police brutality, uh, when, you know, that's also sinful and wrong, but there's no um, justification given. It's not like these institutions are saying, everyone come on down to the police station and we're going to have a good lynching this afternoon. Right. Um, we're, you know, going to no trial by jury. Uh, we're just going to kill someone because we want to do it and for your entertainment. Well, you know, then he might have a point, <laughs> but. Um, it's obvious that there is no institutional support for any of those things. Those things happen as a tragedy of being in a sin-filled world, but they're not. Our tax money isn't paying for the celebration of those things. And, and that's a totally different. Well, what's your thought on that, though? You know, are Christians hypocrites if they complain about Drag Queen Story Hour, but, you know, they don't say enough against police brutality? I think in some cir circumstances, some situations, there might be a debate on what actually is police brutality. That's a good Some, point. Yeah, somebody might say that, oh, this, the, I mean, there are people who argued had different perspectives on the George Floyd incident. There are people who had different perspectives. Let take, um, was it, uh, which, was it Rayshard? I'm trying to, I get my situations mixed up. Was Rayshard Brooks, was that the one at the, what was the one that was in uh, where the, the guy got up and walked to his car and he had a, he had a knife in his hand, um, oh, he had a, um, and he got shot in the back. I'm just getting my getting my situations because uh, I'm thinking. I don't think that was I don't someone someone. Because I'm thinking Rayshard Brooks. <laughs> Rayshard Brooks might have been the one that was in Atlanta with a guy 
was pulled over for a DUI, or he was he was asleep at the wheel. And it was a it's a, yeah, it's a, I, I just looked it up. Rayshard Brooks is in Atlanta. Was in Atlanta okay. in 2020. But um, I'm just drawing a blank. Forgive me, y'all. But um, all I'm saying is that okay, let's take Rayshard Brooks for instance. There were people. The, the fact that the guy started fighting the police when they went to arrest him. Uh, he got up, grabbed the taser from the officer, took off running, turned around while he was running, tried to shoot the officer with the taser. The officer shot him and killed him. Mm-hmm. There are people who would argue that that was an unjustified shooting of the police, uh, uh, by the police. But there are other people like that was completely justified because what happens if the officer got hit with the taser, he was incapacitated, and then Brooks comes over and wanted to do whatever he, he wanted to do to him. So. You have to kind of de- decipher what they're talking about, what they're arguing when it comes to a, uh, a police brutality. If People it's are, something that, go ahead. They're telling me Jacob Blake was the J- guy that you. Jacob were Blake, of. thank you, yeah. thank you. They, there's some people who argued for weeks and months that the Jacob Blake was unarmed and he was unjustly shot by the police. Until later on, more video footage came out. He, and then he did an interview on ABC, I think it was Good Morning America, where he openly admitted that he had a knife. He, uh, he was fighting the police. He dropped the knife, picked it up, and started to walk back towards the front of his car. But initially, everybody thought that that was un, un, uh, completely unjustified shooting until more information came out. There are too many people who want to make the comparison between the two. And then I'll say this. Uh, unjustly made to you know say well one's justified one you know and they argue over that and I'm like well let's look at the facts mm-hmm. but I'll say this when it comes down to dealing with the issues of the drag queen story hour and all this kind of stuff who's to say you can't argue about both you have to <laughs> right. you have to cho- you have to choose a side you have to sit up here and say that sexual immorality is okay but this right here we need to put all of our you know, you know, we need to put all of our uh, focus on this one on uh, this one police shooting. I think what they're saying is that we're hypocrites, Christians. I think that's what he's saying. Christians are hypocrites because these are both things that God hates, but you only care about one of them. And you I know, think that's silly. I think that's it, silly, yeah. and I don't think there's any true basis for that because everyone, the vast majority of people, spoke out against about the George Floyd case and vilified it immediately. The yeah. vast majority of people are speaking out against this situation that we're talking about right now. Um, you know, so it's a straw man. Then you're saying he, it, he's just making up boogeymen that aren't there. Yeah. It sounds good. The fact that we don't that there's some of us who don't assume that every time a police officer shoots somebody that it must be some form of police brutality. The fact and the fact that we try to nuance and we try to make a separation. We try to look at details. Um, that you know doesn't make us hypocritical. These people get on my nerves. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, forgive Memphis, me, Lord. Forgive me. You know, I I haven't done a lot of research on Memphis and what um, I I know um, just because of some family connections that the crime rate is really bad and it's gotten bad yes. over the last few years. I mean, and I think the Ferguson effect has affected a lot of communities. Um, oh, no doubt. I know, though, you know, they were one of the the woke, the, the first cities, I think, to to actively start taking down their historical monuments. And I think they even exhumed a grave and uh, which tells me they have a woke mayor. They have woke mm. leadership. Right. It's a Democrat run city. Um, and, you know, none of that seems to have helped them get away from an accusation of racism when something like this comes up. That's ironic to me. It doesn't matter what you do, how much you do you're still going to, that charge is still going to be leveled at you somehow if um, an incident like this takes place. And, and it didn't make anyone safer, right, to, to implement those policies. So Now, I wonder, my thoughts are, you know, I, real quick, I wonder, I'm trying yeah. to look it up real quick to see if the Memphis police uh, defunded the police. Oh, yeah. You know, I wonder, if it, yeah, I wonder if, if they actually did anything like that. I'm scrolling through trying to see. Um, whether anything like say again, if they slash their budget, yeah, because then that would be another issue that you and like I said, of course, none of us are sitting up there justifying what these officers did. I'm what because man, I'm telling you, the radio show I I was on, every person who was on the left, they came on trying to act as if I was justifying what these officers Mm -hmm. did. I said multiple times that in no way, my thing was the guy was one of the guys was making a claim that. 
we need to have George uh, George Bush. We need to have Joe Biden come up with a new law and sign a bill limiting these police officers' actions because there's no law to limit what they do. And I said, that's a lie. I said, that is just a bold-faced lie. And then so and as a conversation, when I destroyed that argument that he was making, then he was trying to say I was ju- trying to justify what the police did. I said, why are you sitting up here yelling, talking about I'm trying to justify what the police officers did? The first thing out of my mouth was as how heinous it was. And I just spent two hours on my own show talking about how bad it was. I said, so you're, I said, you're wasting your time talking about this. Then another guy comes on the show and does the exact same thing. And I'm like, and then I had to go. And I was like really upset because I was like, man, I can't even defend myself really. But uh, it, it's, it, it, I don't know. I don't even know how it got there. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. You know, and I'm, I'm not finding anything that's jumping out. There, there seems to be conflicting things. Um, it looks like there was a councilman that in 2020 was trying to get, uh, so slash the budget, but I think their budget's actually gone up. If um, smartcitymemphis.com, I'm looking at it, police got bigger share of city's budget in Memphis in 2020. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, what to make of that, but yeah, I mean, it depends on when that took place. Was that before, you know, yeah. before the whole J- uh, George Floyd incident? Was it after? I mean, who knows? Maybe they just never were defunded, but. I know, I know they implemented a policy of they could hire outside of Memphis and they were trying to broaden, uh, that was in 2021. Um, and I, I, I knew that they were trying to offer incentives to get people to become police officers. Uh, one of them, um, I had read in an article was they were trying to recruit kids when they were like 16 or 17 instead of 18. Oh, you, that's when you have to start that you yeah. have to start younger. You have to, I, I remember I was on the uh, Black Police Officer Recruitment Council here in Las Vegas, and they were saying, yeah, we want to go to the high schools. And I said, eh, messed up right there. You need to start younger. I said, because there's a culture in the black com- in a lot of Black communities that you ain't trying to be a cop. Even if you want to be a cop, you ain't going to tell anybody because you, you're trying to be the man. You're trying to, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to, because police officers hold Black folks down. I said, you need to start with these kids when they're in grade school and start to work their way through and develop a mindset. One, to stay out of trouble. And two, to say, you know what? Police aren't that bad. And and to be proud of that. And I said, it needs to be something that you need to start with early. Because if you hit high school, odds are you ain't going to win them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know specifically. Um, I have some friends in Memphis. and Maybe I'll talk to them about it some more. But uh, sad situation. And be praying for the family. Be praying for Memphis. And... um, for our country, uh, because we are in, in a bad way. Um, I hope this was helpful for everyone just to talk through some of these issues. And um, if you want to find out more about Eric, where should I send him? The uh, CodeRedConversations.com? Yeah, uh, yeah, CodeRedConversations.com. That's my website. But primarily, I'm most active on YouTube at CodeRedConversations and on my Facebook, my personal Facebook, Eric L. Muldrow. Um, just put an L there in, in between my name, Eric L. Muldrow, and my Code Red Conversations on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. That's where you'll see me being the most active. Cool, cool. Well, hey, Eric, I uh, appreciate you giving me an hour of your time. I know you have a lot going on, and you've been probably, you need to go rest. You've been talking about this probably too much today. Yeah, my, sure. voice is brought, my voice is hanging in there, so I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, hey, God bless, man, and uh, you know, thank you once again. Oh, thank you, bro. Thanks for the opportunity. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.